Ezra chapter 6. Then Darius the king made a decree, and the house of the archives where the treasures were laid up in Babylon was searched. A scroll was found at Akmatha in the palace that is in the province of Media, and in it was written this record. In the first year of Cyrus the king, Cyrus the king made a decree concerning God's house at Jerusalem, let the house be built. The place where they offer sacrifices and let its foundations be strongly laid with its height 60 cubits and its width 60 cubits. With three courses of great stones and a course of new timber, let the expenses be given out of the king's house. Also, let the gold and silver vessels of God's house, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple, which is in Jerusalem, and brought to Babylon, be restored, and brought again to the temple, which is at Jerusalem, everything to its place, you shall put them in God's house. Now therefore, Tatanai, governor beyond the river, Shethar, Bozanai, and your companions, the Afar, Sashites, who are beyond the river, you must stay far from there. Leave the work of this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build this house of God in its place. Moreover, I make a decree, what you shall do for these elders of the Jews for the building of this house of God, that the king's goods, even of the tribute beyond the river, expenses must be given with all diligence to these men, that they may not be hindered. That which they have need of, including young bulls, rams and lambs for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, also wheat, salt, wine and oil, according to the word of the priests who are at Jerusalem, let it be given them day by day without fail, that they may offer sacrifices of pleasant aroma to the God of heaven, and pray for the life of the king and his sons. <laughs> I have also made a decree that whoever alters this message, let a beam be pulled out of his house, and let him be lifted up and fastened onto it, and let his house be made a dunghill. May the God who has caused his name to dwell there overthrow all the kings and peoples who stretch out their hand to alter this, to destroy the house of God which is at Jerusalem. I, Darius, have made a decree. Let it be done with diligence. Then... Tatanai, the governor beyond the river, Shethar, Bozanai, and their companions did accordingly with all diligence, because Darius the king had sent a decree. The elders of the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Ido. They finished and built it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the decree of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. This house was finished on the third day of the month Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. The children of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the children of the captivity kept the dedication of this house of God with joy. They offered at the dedication of this house of God 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, and a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. They set the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their courses, for the service of God which is at Jerusalem, as it is written in the book of Moses. The children of the captivity kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the first month, because the priests and the Levites had purified themselves together, all of them were pure. They killed the Passover for all the children of the captivity, for their brothers the priests, and for themselves. The children of Israel who had returned out of the captivity, and all who had separated themselves to them, from the filthiness of the nations of the land to seek Yahweh, the God of Israel, ate, and kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy, because Yahweh had made them joyful, 
and had turned the heart of the king of Assyria to them to strengthen their hands in the work of God, the God of Israel's house. All right. So in the last chapter, they, you know, Haggai prophesied and said to everyone, you guys are neglecting the house of God. They started building the house of God. Tatanai, the governor of the land, said, who told you to do this? He sent a letter off to Darius to inquire. And then Darius, we find out in this chapter, he did. He issued a command that a search be made. And they found that, yes, Cyrus had commanded. Once Darius heard that, he himself decreed not only that the work continue, but he, he, <laughs> he commanded that Tatanai, the guy who was complaining, he had to pay for it all. Now, he didn't personally have to pay for it. He was the governor of the region. So he's basically commanding that this be paid for out of government resources. But the fact is, <laughs> the guy that was complaining is the guy that suddenly had to allow it for it in the, in the, in the budget. So that's all very cool. And uh, Darius, he, I, I really loved his letter because he said, um, you know, let this work proceed with all diligence so that they can offer sacrifices and pray for the king and his sons. <laughs> so Darius is thinking, you know, I, I want to get something out of this too. <laughs> I think it's very cool. Um, and so Darius was most likely someone that worshipped multiple gods. He probably had his own gods and he probably thought, we want to keep this one happy. However, you, we haven't got to the book of Daniel yet. We're going to get to the book of Daniel Daniel is an exilic book. It happens in the middle of the exile. This book happens at the end of the exile when they're returning. It's post-exilic. Darius is the king, though. The same Darius. And um, one of the commentators, I was actually wondering this myself, and then one of the commentators said it, so I think I'm under an idea here, but he thought that Darius was so open-hearted towards the Lord because of Daniel's influence. When you read in you know, Daniel and the Lion's Den, that story in Daniel chapter 6, well, that was King Darius, you know, and he saw Daniel and how the Lord saved Daniel's life. And, and uh, Darius says to Daniel, your God is the God of all gods. <laughs> he's not saying your God's the only God, but he's just acknowledging that Daniel's God is, is, a, is a great God. And here he says, let God's house be built with all diligence so that they can pray for me. <laughs> So I think it's all very cool. I think Darius has got a big heart for the Lord because he's seen what the Lord can do. And I think it's probably in the book of Daniel that's where he saw it. And so if you're someone that you know works in a, in a place where you're surrounded by heathens like Daniel did, don't lose heart by that. And you know it may be that the Lord's placed you there and even to go through hardship like Daniel did so that the Lord can be seen by these other people. So uh, I did notice, though, in Darius's decree, he said that if anyone opposes this, you know, may a beam be pulled out of their house and may they be lifted up on it. Well, you know what that is? That's a crucifixion. You know, a piece of wood, a big piece of wood, and someone lifted up on it. So here is a crucifixion in the Bible before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So there you go. That's really interesting. So then they get back into building the temple. It says that it was completed. It took four years. So I realized there was a 25-year gap. So technically from the beginning when they laid the foundation all the way through to now, there's 29 years. But no, if you just count the building of the temple, four years, it was faster than Solomon's temple, which took seven. Why was it faster? I think it's faster because it's a simpler temple. 
Solomon's Temple was very grand. It had gold plating, all sorts of stuff went on there. The artwork, the intricacy, the furniture, in incredible. This temple's a simple temple. <laughs> um, if you go to Haggai chapter 2, I think, that's where people who saw it, uh, you know, were basically saying this temple is not as good as the other one. And that's when the prophet Haggai said that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the first house. But really, the latter house wasn't the second temple. It was the body of Christ, the temple that we have now that's spiritual. Now, so that's all the history of the chapter. Um, interestingly, in this chapter we've got a section written in the Aramaic language. Now, I did mention Aramaic earlier in, in Ezra chapter 1, but, but Aramaic was like the common language of the Near East. So, you know, Babylon, Persia, this whole area, they Aramaic was like the language that everyone spoke when they were communicating with each other. So it's a bit like, you know, you might live in Central America and Spanish is your birth language, but if you go traveling around the world, you're going to speak English, hopefully, because English is kind of like the global language. Not everyone can speak English, but English is the language everyone's trying to learn, so for the purposes of communication. So here in these days, and more and more as, as it went past these days, was Aramaic was kind of like the, the lingua franca, the language that everyone communicated in across cultures, but whilst each individual culture had their own language, you know, Persian, Babylonian, whatever. So here, we all the way up to this point in the Bible, the Bible's all in Hebrew, but now a little bit in chapter four, a little bit in five, here in chapter six and in chapter seven, we've got Aramaic being used. And the reason is Ezra's writing. Ezra is the author of this book, uh, he, he might not have written, he might not have personally been a part of every bit, you know, like at the start when they first came back with Shesh Bazaar. Ezra wasn't there, but he wrote about it, but he wasn't there. But now he's personally writing about his own experiences and he's writing in Aramaic. And so it's the third language of the Bible. You find Aramaic will be in here. There's Aramaic also in the book of Daniel and in not all of Daniel, but just parts. And we find that in the time of Christ, Jesus speaks Aramaic. So Matthew, for example, is always quoting things, but sometimes the quotes will be in Aramaic. For example, Jesus on the cross, you know, he said, Lama, uh, you know, Lama, Lama, uh, was it Eli Sabachthani? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, that was Aramaic quote. So the Gospel of Matthew is written in Greek. Now, Greek had become the lingua franca at that point, but Aramaic was the language of the people of Israel at that point. So at that point, Matthew's writing in Greek because it's for everyone, but he's quoting what Jesus said in Aramaic. If you want to get a, um, a real sense of the Aramaic, what it's like to listen to or hear, the movie that you must watch is called The Passion by Mel Gibson, The Passion of the Christ. It's the story of Jesus's last, you know, tw last two days of his life or whatever, and it's filmed entirely in Aramaic with English subtitles. So apparently there was still a couple of thousand, or there still are a couple of thousand people living in the world who speak Aramaic. So it's not a dead language, although it's a nearly dead language. So they were apparently able to go and speak to these people and get a sense of how the words sound. And so you can listen to the movie or watch the movie The Passion, and as you hear the people speaking to each other in Aramaic, that's probably what it would have sounded like in the days of Jesus and maybe in the days of Ezra as well. So here we've got someone opposing <laughs> the work of God. 
but uh, Darius does a search and he ends up commanding them not to oppose. In fact, he commands them to support by allowing room in their budget for the building of the temple. And that's what the Lord does. The Lord so amazingly turns opposition into blessing. So when you're facing opposition, the trick is to maintain faith, to trust the Lord, to bring it to him and let him turn it into a blessing. He knows how to do it. So Lord, we do. We come before you now with our problems in life, of which there are many. Lord, we all have problems, but Lord, we put our trust in you. That Lord, you're perfecting a faith in us that's worth more than gold. And I pray, Lord, you would turn our problems into blessings. Lord, you'd turn our trials into gold. That's what Keith Green said in his song. Lord, I pray much grace will be given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 